This is Preston, and I'm thrilled to bring you this episode on healthy digital habits and conversations you can be having with the kids in your life. But before we jump into the episode, I wanted to bring you a quick update on the Exodus Road. If you've listened before, you'll know that we fight human trafficking in four primary locations. That's Thailand, India, the United States, and Latin America. And we've got big news to share. The Exodus Road has the opportunity to expand our impact on the lives of sons and daughters in three new countries over the next few months. And as you can imagine, we're so incredibly excited about this possibility. But here's the thing. We need you to help us do this. We need 200 of you to step up and join with us in subscribing monthly to our search and rescue community. And when you do, 100% of your funds will be used to repel us into these countries. $40 $40 a month can fuel one night of investigation, but a gift of any amount would be so great. And here's the thing. If you sign up before the end of September 2020, we've had a generous donor come forward who has offered to match your first month of contribution. That means one night of investigation will become two, two becomes four, and your impact is expanded. Not only that, but we also want to send you a free hat as a thank you for your support and It's not just any hat. It's this incredible Richardson brand hat with a sweet leather patch right on the front that says the Exodus Road. I wear it all the time and it's my favorite hat truly because it creates so many moments of conversation with the barista at my favorite coffee shop and people at the grocery store. I get to share about the work of the Exodus Road and the realities of trafficking and the stories of survivors like those that you hear on this podcast. So here's what I want you to do. Jump on it now. 200 of you, visit theexodusroad.com or text the word free to 51555. Okay, here's the episode. In our day, we were raised with stranger danger, don't talk to strangers. So when you say to a child, don't talk to strangers on the internet, they're missing the message because to them, this person is no longer a stranger. I have communicated with them for five minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, I've seen their profile. They're no longer a stranger. I don't have any kids of my own. But I am surrounded every day by parents, especially parents of preteens and teenagers, that are fearful of the digital worlds that they know that their kids are involved in. Now, these feelings have been expressed long before the COVID-19 pandemic. But now it seems that the entire world has leaned further into a more virtual existence, Several friends on my social media have shared stories recently of their kindergartners connecting with classmates over Zoom. Our world will never be the same. And so it's with all of these realities in mind that we bring you this episode of Until All Are Free. I sat down with Cheryl Cosmeral, a licensed clinical social worker and the founder of Sexting Solutions to help give you real actionable steps for helping the kids in your life set healthy boundaries with technology. Well, I'm sitting here um, with Cheryl on a beautiful July Denver day and excited to join you in conversation, Cheryl. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm really excited because I think the cultural moment that we're in 
really warrants a conversation on how parents can be supporting their children in the midst of like a really digital and virtual age. And so I want you to just share a little bit about who you are and um, what your background is, and then we'll dive into some conversation. Okay. So uh, my name is Cheryl Cosmerl, and I'm a clinical social worker, and I have been in the social work field for over 20 years at this point. So, and specifically, I am a therapist that specializes in working with kids that have committed sex offenses. Mm. And um, located here in Colorado? Yes, in uh, Lakewood, Colorado. How is it that you kind of found your way into that line of work? Cool. I worked with kids in um, treatment facilities for years and then went back to school to get my master's in social work. And I While Cheryl was completing her master's in social work, she had an internship that put her in direct work alongside kids who were in treatment facilities for hands-on sex offenses or boundary offenses. She met the requirements needed to be listed on the Sex Offender Management Board and for 16 years now, Cheryl has continued to work directly with minors as a licensed clinical social worker. Awesome. So um, I think that a lot of people think about um, just the, w- the ways their kids are involved in and texting and being online, but maybe not always the legal side of it. Um, so I wonder if you might just talk a little bit about, like, when you say this population, what do you mean by that? Can you unpack well, that a I'm little? Well, I'm talking specifically about the population who has committed, like, hands-on sex offenses or crossed boundaries. So I practice in Jefferson County, uh, and about seven years ago I was contacted and they said, you know, the law for sexting was really outdated because prior to 2018, it was a class three felony wow. in the state of Colorado uh, to sext. Mm. Wow. And to kind of explain the judicial system, class two is attempted or is manslaughter. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So class three. It's just a notch below that. It's just a notch below that. And that's the way the law was written. And that's the way that um, juveniles, so anyone under the age of 18, um, even taking a naked picture of themselves, it could have been considered creating child pornography. And if they sent it, it could have been considered distributing child pornography. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So the DA's office wanted a legal alternative to charging these kids and putting them on the sex offender registry for um, an offense that I really think at this point is making a really bad decision. I don't think it should be on the same level as my clients who have done like a hands-on sex offense. With all of this in mind, the Jefferson and Gilpin County DA's office, which is in the Denver metro area, reached out to Cheryl and asked her to lead a program that would serve as an alternative for juveniles that found themselves in the legal system. With Cheryl's expertise in the field, that program became Sexting Solutions. Over, I think like 300 kids have gone through it. Wow. As an alternative to... As an alternative to legal consequences. So I think what's really important is to recognize the link of sexting and sex trafficking. In our day, we were raised with stranger danger, don't talk to strangers. So when you say to a child, don't talk to strangers on the internet, 
you are missing the you're missing the message. They're missing the message because to them, this person is no longer a stranger. I have communicated with them for five minutes, twenty minutes, an hour. So, so the link between sex trafficking and sexting is when someone is speaking to someone online, the person will groom them. And grooming is tell them everything they want them to hear to get them to do what they want. It's an act of coercion. Yes. So they might, um, and it's and it's pretty obvious when you look at kids' social media pages, kind of maybe what's going on in their family. Like kids put so much information out there that they can kind of play off this. They can see if you're having a bad relationship with a parent or they can see if you're just like, it's, you really can get to know someone by looking at their social media page. So I had a case specifically where um, this female's friend, like someone she knew in person, and even you even have to define them what friend means. Like yep, someone right. you know in person, you have met them and you've laid yeah. eyes on them and you know who they are. So this was um, her friend from school had been talking to this gentleman and or this person in their well, what we believe or what she was told is he was in his early twenties um, and said, "Hey, do you wanna? I want you to meet my friend." So she passed the information on to this girl, this girl started talking to him. So she was referred yeah. his contact so it was by like someone a, she knew. Yeah, so it was like a friend of a friend. She started talking to him and he started telling her everything she wanted to hear. You're beautiful, you're gorgeous, you're wonderful, and I, um, I, I'm in love with you. I mean, this is the thing is like, they're very skilled at talking to these kids and these kids, um, they play on their emotions and they tell them what they want to hear. And what they do is, and what he did, was um, he talked her into sending naked pictures. And once you send the naked pictures, you've lost your power. Because now they have something to use against you. So that is the link between sexting and sex trafficking is they, once these pictures are shared, then the power changes and then they start using it against you and say, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to spread the pictures. If you don't do what I say, I'm gonna send these around your school. I'm gonna show up to your home. I mean, that's all the things that they do. And he uh, took this so far that said, um, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to kill your family. So she thought that she had to do what he asked or, or he would kill her family. So he was able to get her to um, sexually abuse family members and film it wow. and send it to him. Oh my goodness. Because he had this power over her and she felt that there was nothing she could do that she didn't have an out. Oh my goodness. Do you know anything about like, like prosecution in that case? Or anything that you can say? Unfortunately, he was not prosecuted, but we don't really know who he was. These can be the complicating factors. If you're doing this on an app that is owned outside of the country, they're not going to cooperate. Because um, they don't, I mean, what is le there's no legal, legal repercussions. The other thing is prosecution can be hard when, I mean, the, a lot of these predators can be very savvy. Um, some cell phone companies don't cooperate. Snapchat, I know for fact, makes it very difficult for law enforcement. They don't like to cooperate. They, they eventually 
and I've I've seen situations where they've had to. So the whole thing with Snapchat is like people think pictures disappear, and they don't disappear. Um, when you, when servers. you, it's all on their yeah their server. They own those photos, and that's the thing is like with all these apps, when you click, when you go through those pages and pages and pages of that small print, you're clicking. I agree to you own my photo. You no longer own my photo. So I mean, even companies like yeah Snapchat that's within the country, um, they don't make it easy on law enforcement to deal with this problem. Okay, deep breath. If you're beginning to feel a bit overwhelmed by all of this, that's normal. I don't even have kids of my own, and this information was hard to hear from Cheryl. Maybe you were already aware of the dangers that can exist within certain apps, or maybe this is all new information. Either way, there is a way forward, and there are resources that will help to better empower you as a parent, a grandparent, a coach, caregiver, as a teacher and a friend. So Cheryl has more to share about the class that she's developed, both as a six-week course that serves as an alternative to the legal system and as a one-and-a-half-hour seminar that equips you to set healthy digital boundaries with your kids. In the next half of the episode, you're going to learn about many free and helpful resources. And I just want you to know in advance that we're going to link to them from the episode page on our website so that they're easy for you to track down. Okay, back to the interview. So the way that I've tailored the class is it's a six-week class and parents attend the first week and the last week. Parents show up and they're very angry and frustrated. Um, They're upset with their kids. They're disappointed in their kids. They don't want to a lot for the majority of parents, a lot of the parents, the first time they've ever been in contact with the legal system in any way, shape, or form. And over and over and over again, I hear by the end, thank you. Wow. I'm really glad my, they're like, what this whole situation has been horrible, but I, I like the end. There's a restorative component to that. Absolutely. And they're very, I mean, that's where they say, we think all parents or all kids should participate in something like this. However, one of the problems is a lot of times, like even my presentation, because I do an hour and a half presentation as well, I do, there's a six week class or there's an hour and a half presentation. Uh And um, sometimes it's really hard to get parents to even show up because they say, it's not my kid. It's not gonna happen in my home. It's not me. So is the presentation more of a, like, preventative? The presentation educates people on the law. It educates them on trends I I see with kids sexting. It's really, I mean, just a basic introduction to sexting. Um, It points out the link of sexting to other things like sex trafficking. I mean, it talks about all sorts of things. And um, what I have found has been difficult is to get parents to want to come to presentations uh but as a because of covid and how much work we're now doing online with telehealth and things like that i'm in the process of creating um a website specifically for this because that parents can just sit at home and watch the presentation and they can pay a fee watch the presentation watch presentation with their kids and um, have this information to them in their home 
there's a lot of audience members have kids, right? Like, and if they're sitting here and they're thinking, oh, like maybe that's something that I should participate in. Like, what is it about that hour and a half presentation that like, is probably gonna be news to them. Mm-hmm. What makes it news is it's, I mean, it's just giving them a glimpse into their kids' lives that I don't think that they're aware of. Like more, like really often I get from a lot of parents, I didn't know we were here. Like I've even had kids in class that were 10 and 11. Wow. 12. Like, wow. re- like even, and the, te- like I've, I've, de- I've had, I've worked with a number of kids who have been sexting at nine or 10 at, in the state of Colorado. You're not legally culpable for your behaviors until you're 10. So um, I worked with someone that like the behaviors happened when they were nine, but it, it wasn't discovered until they were 10. So that's how I worked with them. And I often I hear from parents, we didn't know we were here. I didn't know that they were here as far as their sexual development. I didn't know they were here about questions or concerns or any of this stuff. And what I, um, I like to say is no, no kid is going to knock on your door and come into your bedroom and say, I'm here. Right. We need to have conversations about this. We need to talk about this. And unfortunately, you don't find out until maybe um, stuff pops up in their history of their computer that you see that they've been researching porn or that there's, they, I mean, they have questions. And that's the thing is kids nowadays, if you have questions, you can unfortunately go to the- There's a lot of access to- There's a lot of access to really good information and really bad information and really incorrect information. And kids go to the internet. Well, the first step is recognizing, as a parent, how many devices in your home have internet access. And I think that, like, even my very first sexting class, I think a parent made a comment that they were like, I never even thought of how many devices are in the home that have internet access. And to me, like, if you're buying, I mean, not that anyone buys iPods anymore, but if you're buying an iPod that is so much, like, if it's, I don't know. $80, $90, $80, $90, it does more than just play music. Yeah, right. You have to understand, like, even the Kindle. Like, everything Everything yeah. has internet access. Right. And understanding that when you throw that outdated phone in the drawer. Yeah, it's and still around. And don't think about it twice. It is no longer a phone. It's a computer. And kids will pick it up link it to your Wi-Fi or the neighbor's Wi-Fi or someone else's or some sort of Wi-Fi and will be able to browse. And I think that parents do not grasp. I, I, it's good to just take an inventory of how many ways they can actually access the internet. Like a really funny story or a post that I saw um, a few years back where um, a girl's parents took her phone from her and she posted, I believe on her Twitter, from the smart refrigerator. My parents took my phone, just so you know. And that's the thing is like these kids will access. Yeah. So like just having some sort of recognition of the technology in your home and what it's capable of. I think that the, it's really important to set the ground rules in the first place and have these conversations in the first place. Like, I mean, because I work in this field I know that in the state of Colorado, you can be arrested at 10 years old. You're legally culpable for your, for your behaviors at 10 years old. And the way that I phrase it to parents is I say, and I this is probably a nationwide podcast, so they don't know Denver, 
but yeah. downtown Denver, Civic Center Park, okay. is not really an area of town you want your kids hanging out in right. in the evening. Right. And so I say, if you don't let your kids hang out in Civic Center Park at 2 a.m., they don't need to be... They don't need to be on their device at 2 a.m. And I'm not saying you can't do bad things at 2 p.m. Right. But if you're sitting there in your room with your door closed all hours of the night, right. there's a higher likelihood you, you're you not just reading. For parents that would want to like be able to reach out to you about sexing solutions, maybe like they haven't yet experienced, um, they're not on the other side of the judicial conversation, what resources are available via uh, my sister-in-law and I do have a website that we have worked on in the past. We don't do a lot with it now. We're kind of, um, I'm transitioning to a different phase, but hashtag parenting dot, hashtag parenting tips dot com. have a lot of um, blogs that I wrote and that my sister-in-law wrote about technology, about, um, I mean, just a lot of issues that you're dealing with with teens and tweens in general. So that's a resource. Um, I, I am in the process of working on my uh, the sextingsolutions.com website, which will be a resource for parents that will have um, like a webinar, which will be the um, which is like an hour and a half, all right, hour hour and a half um, ex like introduction to sexting. I, it's I mean, but I also want that to evolve into more. There's a Facebook group, Parenting in a Tech World. Parenting in a Tech World. Yes, it's cool. actually the monitoring app Bark, oh, okay. but it's called Parenting in a Tech World. And there's over, I believe, like 10,000 parents on there, parents and professionals and the like. And that's a totally free resource on Facebook. Absolutely. Uh, so there, I mean, there are resource, resources out there. You just have to, um, I think a lot of people on Parenting in a Tech World, because I mean, just because there's so many people on that page, I see a lot of. Um, I mean, people are just bringing their questions of, I, I don't know what to do and how do I handle this and what's our su some suggestions. We have a Facebook page too, hashtag parenting. Um, and that has, like we post articles there too and have some discussions. Awesome. Going back to what you're also saying though, I really think like when kids are given a device in the first place, I, it's good to hold off mm. on yeah. the smartphones. Yeah. Um, and. I know that their friends are on these apps. I know that they're, that's what's hard as a parent when yeah, other, you, their friends are on apps and they want Snapchat and their friends have Snapchat. But these, these apps do have rule restrictions. Mm. A lot of people don't go by them, yeah. but they do have um, age, sorry, age restrictions. Oh, okay. Like recommended ages. Yes. On I think page. like, and, and that's the thing is like going, I mean, kind of sticking with that with your kids in the first place, if there's an age restriction for this, and this is me following the rules and, I know that your friend's parents didn't follow the rules, and I know maybe your friends went on it and didn't follow the rules, but I'm going to follow the rules. I mean, that's a way to start. I also think it's really important um, to do a technology contract, which we actually have one on the hashtag parenting website. Um, that's like, and it's kind of a guide, but it goes along with things that you need to think about with these devices and rules and expectations that are set. So the X, so they, so kids know right away. I want to talk a little bit about apps too. Um, Cause I think like I see all, all sides of the spectrum on social media. Um, you know, I see like um, some parents who are like really 
scared of like TikTok and Snapchat and, and then some who are like on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And I just wonder like if you might speak just from your experience, like how much, um, how much pause should parents have about apps like Snapchat and Instagram and TikTok and I know that's not even scratching the surface. But. It's, it's, that's, you, first of all, as parents, you need to be educated and you need to be educated what apps you're allowing them to use and you need to be educated the scope of the capability of the app. A really good resource is Common Sense Media and that is free as well. That is a website. Common Sense Media does reviews of apps like video games, movies, television shows, and they've also, in the last couple of years, I believe, do reviews of the more popular YouTube channels. Wow. I even take it one step further. I think at a certain age, you should have total control over the phone and you can approve or not approve an app. So your kids are asking you, can I download this app? Yeah. Um, I have a story that I have been given permission to tell that a parent who was very, very, very cautious about the apps on her daughter's phone, she wanted to download an app, and I think it was called funny.com, which was her daughter had presented it to her that it was just funny memes. But this app has a chat feature. So unfortunately... This mother who thought that she was following all the rules for her, like making sure, protecting her daughter, she didn't realize that her daughter was downloading an app with a chat feature. And so this this girl, unfortunately, um, was targeted by someone who, um, on this chat feature, you can go to a private room. So she started speaking with this um, older male. On the main chat feature, he told her to go to a private room, and then there was an exchanging of photos, unfortunately. So he was able to talk her into sending photos. So I think it's really important as a parent to like research these apps and understanding their capabilities in the first place. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, and I don't know this specific case, but like I can imagine even as a kid, like maybe you think it's one thing. Absolutely. You get into it and then like before you even realize what's happening, you've gone down this path that you never intend, like maybe she didn't intend to to I don't trick think her they, mom into into downloading that. And that's the thing is, I don't think they intend to, but I also don't under, think that they understand how dangerous it is to be interacting with these people on the internet. And so there needs to be conversations about how people on the internet, more often than not, like, here's another great conversation piece. Rent the movie Catfish with your kid yeah. and watch it. Or watch the show on MTV and have discussions about it because, I mean, I sit there in my sexting class and I say on the first night, well, let's talk about catfishing. And a lot of times I'll have parents that are like, what's that? They've never even heard about that. So that's a great way to st- like open the dialogue, like use the media for opening these dialogues, like watch the movie Catfish and have a dialogue about how people on the internet can pretend to be who they're not. And more often than not, they are pretending who they're not. I mean, I think that there's been studies out there like, how many people lie on their pro? Like, how many yeah, of us right. everyday people lie on our profile or, or say something that isn't tr- necessarily exactly as it is? So, for a parent who maybe they uh, maybe they do find themselves on the other side of of this, like, or they they listen to this and then they go down, they live their life and something happens, um, and they need to approach their kid about it. 
how should they do that? Like, I think it's important to get their emotions in check. I think they're talking about a really embarrassing subject for these kids to be caught. And I've seen, um, in my experience, because I'm speaking from the 300 plus kids I've worked with directly, I see um, trends. I see a lot of parents slap their sons on the wrist and say, don't do that again. And I see a lot of parents pull their daughters out of public school. So, but I think it's really important for parents to kind of check their emotions about it. I understand you're disappointed, but you have to understand that it's a different culture that these kids live in. It's not okay for them to sext, but they don't, parents don't understand the pressures of what they're up against. And I like, I saw like a post on Parenting in Tech World last week and I mean, parents were being very matter of fact about it. And it's like, you have no, be, growing up in this day and age is night and day different than when we grew, grew up. Yeah, it's like the, the old saying of like, well, I never would have done that when I was a kid. <laughs> like, well, absolutely you wouldn't because literally it wouldn't have been possible. Yeah, like I couldn't have, I think I'm older than you, but I could not have taken my Kodak disc camera and ride my bike to the drugstore and drop off the film. And like, I mean, you, you could, but you wouldn't. Like it would have, it would have yeah. taken a week to sext. Yeah. I, I think monitoring, there are monitoring tools out there. There are things that you can, um, there's different apps that can monitor what your kids are doing on their phones. But ultimately, all the monitoring in the world, having an open, healthy dialogue with your child is probably the, your best safeguard. Like setting it up that they can come to you no matter what if something really bad happens. So that's why, like when you said, you know, parents' reactions, I've seen a lot of parents really shame their kids for these behaviors. And that's why when I talk to the parents on the first day of class, I, I talk about like, we need to move past the anger and and open up the, the dialogue because it's it's hard to be a kid these days and to have a parent that doesn't try to empathize with you and talk to you and um, open open the gates of communication, yeah. it's, it's not helpful. And even if you really can't, and if you're really, really concerned about your child and you, and you feel that there's stuff going on and you're not the one that they're talking to, then see if there's someone else that they'll talk to. It, can it be another family member? Can it be like an aunt? Can it be a coach? Can it be... Um, it can even be, if it's serious enough, a therapist and have some them talk to someone about what's going on and how they're navigating adolescence. Well, thank you. Thanks for this conversation. And yeah, um, if you are listening to this and you are interested in learning more, we have put together some resources um, for you from this conversation with Cheryl. It's available on our webpage at theexodusroad.com slash podcast. Um, so yeah, thanks again, Cheryl. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Until All Are Free. If you're ready to learn more about sexting solutions in Cheryl's class, we've linked some resources on our website at theexodusroad.com slash podcast. Until All Are Free is a podcast by The Exodus Road, a nonprofit dedicated to the strategic fight against human trafficking across the globe. 
The podcast is hosted by me, Preston Goff, and produced by Isaac Lay. Our internal themes and mastering is produced by Lucas Lay, and the music you've heard on the intro and outro of this episode was produced and generously donated by City of Sound. You can subscribe to Until All Are Free wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we would love if you took a moment to rate and review us. It really helps. Come